Any, uh, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do okay. this episode. Yeah. This show has explicit language and mature themes. John, will you administer that lick? Whoa, you administered that well. He's basically the minister of licks. He did. Thanks, man. Oh, hey there. Welcome to Dexplanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked something up on Wikipedia, watched some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. How's it going today? Pretty well. How you doing, Dex? It's a good day. Yeah, it was fun. It was. I wish it rained, but overall, like, it was nice having cooler weather. Truth. What are we going to learn about? We're going to be learning about rabies. Rabies! Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wanted to do something that I could do two episodes so that we could get caught up again, but then I didn't do the other one. But then life intervened. busy. Yeah. Uh, thanks for helping me move, both of you, John. Yeah, too. right on. Um, it was actually it was pretty easy. That couch, yeah. that couch was a beast, but at least we didn't we at just threw we it in the dumpster. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's the outline. We're gonna talk about acknowledgments and terms. Then we're gonna do rabies basics. Then we're gonna do symptoms, treatments, and then the Milwaukee Protocol. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So first, the acknowledgments. A big shout out to the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control's pages on rabies um, and terms. Prophylaxis. It's really only one term. A prophylaxis is an action taken to prevent a disease, especially by specified means or against a specific disease. Prophylaxis. Yeah. And it's it's any measure taken to prevent or... uh, Yeah, to prevent disease. Okay. To prevent disease, not necessarily um, the pathogen that promotes yeah. it. So, like, basically, like, you could catch something, and anything done to help you get over it is still prophylaxis. Yeah, and okay. a post-exposure prophylaxis is an action taken to prevent a disease after it's been encountered. Okay. Yeah. What, post-exposure prophylaxis? Yeah, P-E-P. P-E-P. Yep. I like that. All right. So, rabies basics. Rabies, it's a viral disease. And it's a bullet-shaped virus with proteins enveloping the membrane. Okay. With yeah. Virus meaning, like, just for anybody who is not aware, no bacteria or parasite causes this. It's a viral entity, a yeah, non-living yeah. thing that has RNA that yeah, does it. Is, it's an RNA virus, yeah. Cool. And so it gets absorbed into the host cells and starts getting replicated in the host cells. And uh, stop codons start to be being ignored. What, so what is just, a stop codon? It's like uh, when it, you're going down the DNA chain, a stop codon tells it to stop transcribing. Oh, and okay, so okay. The stop codon's being ignored in the rabies virus makes it be reproduced more virulent, more basically. Virulent. Like yeah. it, it, it hijacks your DNA, or at least the the readers of your DNA to keep reading yeah. the part of it that is viral, yep. reproducing viral particles. Totally. Uh, it's generally spread to people through deep bites and scratches from rabid animals, and it causes tens of thousands of deaths a year. Tens of thousands yeah. a year? Yeah. Wow. It caused over 1,700 in 2015. Holy cow. 1,700 yeah. deaths in... Wow. 2015. You usually uh, think of this as being a problem that's mostly solved. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Globally, dogs spread it the most. 90% of infections and 99% of deaths are caused by dogs worldwide. Um, in the U.S., though, friend. bats are bats spread it the most, 
and over 95% of human deaths occur in Asia and Africa, according to the World Health Organization. So is that is it is it bats mostly in the U.S. just because we've kind of solved the problem with dogs for the most yeah, part? Yeah, we don't have enough strays. Or... We've vaccinated our dogs and uh, taken care of it. Okay, enough. cool. So it's kind of a success in a way. Yeah, ninety uh, percent of cases in America are actually caused by wildlife like bats. But before nineteen sixty, before we started vaccinating dogs so heavily, the majority were caused by domesticated domestic animals and wow. pets. So basically, when it's my parents when thing, my yeah. parents were born, it was still mostly caused by domestic animals. This yeah. is only a generation old that we've kind of fixed this issue to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, humans have never been documented to spread rabies to another human because we just hospitalize people and let, or, them, yeah, let them die or, that way. Or even in older times, probably at least separate them. Yeah. The only well-documented case of rabies caused by human-to-human transmission occurred among eight recipients of transplanted corneas Ooh. and recently among three recipients of solid organs. Jeez, that's always such a tragedy in my mind just because, like, yeah, n- not that it's any one individual's fault, but it just seems it to represent such a failure of our medical system when people, for instance, even HIV through blood transfusion. Yeah. Like, it's just such a sad yeah. thing to receive a routine medical treatment and then get a debilitating disease. I'm sure they disease. weren't showing symptoms or whatever. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. I'm not I'm not trying to imply that it was anyone's fault or anyone did anything wrong. Yeah. Just that it, it sucks. All warm-blooded species can be infected with rabies, but it doesn't really fuck with birds that much. And they've actually, birds have actually been shown to develop antibodies to rabies after eating rabies-infected meats. Oh my yeah. goodness. So like, yeah, carrion eaters and stuff that like that can deal with it. Wow. Okay. And rodents like mice and lagomorphs like rabbits hardly ever get or spread rabies. So cool. they're not really that big of a okay. problem. Okay. What Dexter just pointed out actually for anyone who doesn't know is that rabbits are not rodents. Despite having many similarities to rodents, they're not rodents and yeah. they're not even closely related to rodents. Mm-hmm. They're lagomorphs like he just pointed out. Uh, yeah, so rabies can pretty much only be diagnosed after symptoms start, and that is too late, because it's pretty much always fatal after symptoms are present. Yeah. Like, after symptoms present, you have, like, pretty much a 0% chance of living. I mean, if you have symptoms, that means it basically got to your brain, right? Yeah, yeah. It usually takes between one and three months for symptoms pr- to present, but it can happen in as little as a week or as long as a year. And it is basically dependent on the geography of like where you're where bit you on your body, bit. right? Like where yeah. the infusion of the virus started. Because it goes through uh, your peripheral nervous system yeah. to get to the brain. Okay, so yeah. So if you get bit on the toe, it has to travel a further nerve. distance to get to your brain. Yeah, nerve by nerve and all if, the way up. If you get bit on the face, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't get bit on the face by bats. Yeah. So according to the CDC... Once a person begins to exhibit signs of the disease, survival is rare. To date, less than 10 documented cases of human survival from clinical rabies have been reported, and only two have not had a history of pre- or post-exposure prophylaxis. Oh, so out of the 10 who out, have survived... After um, showing symptoms, they still, they still had pre-exposure prophylaxis. So they still were administered anti-rabies measures before, before their exposure. Before they showed symptoms. And, and, okay. So they still showed exposure, but they had, they had already taken measures. Gotcha. Let's talk about symptoms. 
Very early symptoms are like flu-like symptoms, fever, and a tingling where you got bit. And these symptoms can last for days. When it goes further, uh, you can get violent movements, confusion, loss of consciousness, inability to move parts of the body, basically zombie shit. Yeah. And uh, fear of water, hydrophobia. hydrophobia. That's a really big one. It's important to the virus's spread, it too. It is, because it, it propagates in salivary glands. And so if you're able to drink water, you can wash away a lot of the viral particles of Exactly. Rabies. So where the virus likes to reproduce the most inside you is actually in your salivary glands. It mostly infects nerve cells. And it changes like, behavior in order for you to not be able to wash it away. Exactly. It's, it's a virus that infects your nerve cells and so is able to affect your behavior and also reproduces in your sal- salivary glands, the same glands that produce your saliva. And so it makes it almost impossible to voluntarily even swallow your own saliva. Yeah, yeah. Creating even, the foaming at the mouth and... Um, yeah, and that's how it spreads is by bites, largely. Even the suggestion of or thinking about drinking water can cause painful spasms in the throat and larynx. Jeez, OP. So, like, even somebody telling you to drink water will just cause really painful spasms. Which, which goes to show, like, I'm not a hippie or anything, but which just goes to show, like, the mind-body connection to that degree, where, like, yeah. just the suggestion of a of a notion, of an intellectual notion, can cause you to have real physical symptoms because this virus is, is able to tap into, on some level, your neural signals and realize exactly what it is that is being suggested to you. Yeah. Um... How they, this is how they diagnose it in animals. The test includes tissues from at least two brain tissues, preferably brainstem and cerebellum samples. So mostly these probably happen post-mortem. Yep. In order to do them, the animals have to be euthanized. Yeah. In the United States, around 120,000 animals a year are tested for rabies. 120,000? Euthanized. Whew. Um, and around 6% do have rabies. I mean, I imagine most of those animals were going to be euthanized for one reason or another. Otherwise, like anyway, they're not just putting down people's pets to see if they have rabies at random. But yeah, it's less less than one percent of domestic animals tested have have rabies. Okay, well, that's good overall. And around 10 percent of wildlife species. The the CDC does say, however, that they have learned Domesticated animals are unlikely to have spread the disease in America. Dogs, cats, and ferrets suspected to have transmitted rabies can be observed for 10 days or more and can be reasonably ruled out of posing a threat if they don't exhibit symptoms of it. Okay. So after recently, apparently, the CDC is like, we don't have to kill your dog, I guess. Like, basically, like, if your dog can't. gets bit and it doesn't have the rabies vaccine, you can just watch it for, like, yeah. a week and a half. And if it doesn't exhibit a bunch of foaming at the mouth and wanting to kill you, yeah. it probably isn't infected. Yep. Let's talk about treatment for rabies. Ooh. So, according... This is the who... This is directly from the World Health Organization's uh, page on rabies and their recommendations for post-exposure prophylaxis, which prevents virus entry into the central nervous system which results in imminent death. So the PEP consists of extensive washing and local treatment of the wound as soon as possible after exposure. A course of potent and effective rabies vaccine that meets WHO standards. And WHO being the WHO, the World Health Organization. Yeah. The administration of rabies immunoglobin 
RIG if needed, and effective treatment soon after exposure to rabies can prevent the onset of symptoms and death. The rabies vaccines are not actually readily available within the means of people who need them the most. Uh, they cost around 40 U.S. dollars in Africa. Uh, per per shot, not per, per vaccine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you have to get several and, once you've already been exposed, and right? And 50 bucks in Asia. Um, but that's actually a really severely heavy burden in parts of Asia and Africa because a lot of people who are prone to exposure are only making like one or two dollars a day. Yeah. And so it basically prices them out of ever actually getting the cure. And it's hard to actually get the vaccines and other stuff necessary for the PEP. That's right. If I remember correctly, it it needs to be refrigerated all of the time. And so it's actually really hard to deploy to. In fact, only recently, I think, have we come out with like industrial scale room temperature vaccines uh and they're they're administered in a totally different way than like with a with a shot because you have to keep most of those shots you have to keep them refrigerated the entire time otherwise they'll spoil just like food yeah uh the only reason you shouldn't have a rabies vaccine is if you're highly allergic to eggs Oh, because it's one of those ones that's incubated on eggs, much like the flu virus vaccine. And actually, uh, we talked about this in an earlier episode about how rabies viruses were administered in the stomach. But that is apparently antiquated now. And uh, the rabies vaccines nowadays are about as painful as flu. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because I used to, like, remembering uh, how they used to be administered, they used to take a big old needle and jab Mm, you right in the stomach, I think. Yeah, or abdomen, they, at least. Yeah, and they, uh, the rabies immunoglobin, they basically just shove as much as that as possible into the infected area, the bite area. Okay. Like, basically, they that just makes inject sense. as much so as the, possible. So the immunoglobin basically being, like, a manufactured version of the antibodies that your own body makes to yeah, combat yeah. it. And I think it also helps your body make more. more make more, recognize yeah. exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do about rabies in infected animals? Ooh, yeah. I mean, if you're my neighbor, you shoot him with a revolver. Yep. The CDC says unvaccinated dogs, cats, and ferrets exposed to a rabid animal should be euthanized immediately. If the owner is unwilling to have this done, the animal should be placed in strict isolation for six months and vaccinated one month before being released. And the CDC is actually pretty hardcore about it. Here's another thing they say. The offspring of wild animal crossbreds to domestic dogs and cats are considered wild animals by the National Association of State and Public Health Veterinarians and the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. Wild animals and wild animal hybrids should not be kept as pets. In instances where wild or hybrid animals are suspected of rabies, they should be euthanized and then tested for rabies. Wow. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. basically, wolf hybrids, unless you have a license, you're not supposed to have them. Yep. And they're going to be killed immediately if they buy anyone. Yeah. Yep. Um, No questions asked. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the Milwaukee Protocol. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. This is just some next-level shit. This is next-level doctoring. So, it was uh, an experimental treatment for rabies where the patient was put into a chemically-induced coma. Uh, And given antiviral drugs. What year was this? It was in uh, 2004 when they first administered it. This is so fucking recent. Yeah, very recent. And rabies is one of the oldest documented viruses ever. And a big part of the reason why we're, as a collective culture, afraid of wolves. mm -hmm. 
It was it was rabid wolf packs that would that would sometimes attack an entire village. Like in Russia, this is still like not not a modern threat, but like a, Russian history is chalk a block with with rabid wolf packs entering mm-hmm. a remote village and just starting to kill people. Yeah, there were laws enacted in the year twenty three hundred BC in order to prevent rabies. Jeez, oh, like Pete. So some of the had earliest dog, health laws. Yeah, in if you place. had a dog that uh, bit somebody and they got rabies and died, you would be held accountable. As you probably should be. Yeah. Um, so in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, in 2004, there was this girl, Gianna Giese, and she was in mass in a church, and there was a bat flying around, and people were, like, all swatting at it and stuff. And she's, like, a, she's like an animal person. Yeah, she likes. Um, yeah, she just wanted to see the bat treated yeah. well, as so, she understood it. Yeah, she picked it up and threw it out the front door. But it bit her right before it threw it out the door. And they didn't really think anything about it. But she started feeling tingly in her arm. And it bit her on the hand, correct? Yeah, it bit her on the hand. She started feeling tingly in her arm three weeks later. And uh, the doctors were scrambling to figure out what it could it possibly be. Because her health was deteriorating really rapidly. Eventually, they remembered... She remembered that she had that encounter with a bat, and the doctors were like, fuck. Right, like, because it seems like an innocuous detail, like something you wouldn't yeah. even need to bring up most of the time. Yeah, totally. And so they decided what they were going to do is put her into a chemically induced coma with ketamine and other drugs. Ketamine, interesting. And, okay. Uh, just put a bunch of antivirals in her, and... Uh, she actually survived after so, showing symptoms. So the idea was that they were going to put her brain into a coma, thus slowing the progress of the actual and disease more through time her brain. For her body to create to fight more it antibodies. Off. Okay, yeah. Mm. And she she came out of the coma and survived the disease. Yeah. The first person, right? The first person. Maybe the only person. Some sources I looked at said that there has been two people who the Milwaukee Protocol looked at, and others said that she is the only person to have ever survived. Okay, so it's still pretty iffy. She was the first person to have the Milwaukee Protocol done to her. It's estimated that it costed over $800,000 to treat Gina. How how long was she in the coma, do you know? I think around 31 days. Wow. Or maybe a couple oh weeks. Oh my goodness. She was in the hospital okay. for 31 days and then like after like 71 days she was released. Something Ooh. like that. So okay. it was between like a couple weeks and 31 days. So as of 2017, the Milwaukee protocol has been used over 26 times, but Gina was the only survivor okay. ever and we don't really know why. Let me read you a quote from it, Ani- Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say in a way then like it may be very lucky that she did survive because it, now at least we have that protocol. And while it's not perfect, it is the only method that we know of that at has this ever point worked. in time. And so if it hadn't worked on her, we might have just given up without even trying it again. Even if it has only a 1% chance of survival, yeah, and it that's been, better than it zero. It could have been like a weaker form or it could have been her own, her own body, body being yeah. really well at fighting it. But like actually a lot of... Uh, health officials uh, step way back from the Milwaukee Protocol nowadays. I can understand, like because um, part of it is do for and first do no harm, and of course the Milwaukee yeah. procedure actually does do some permanent harm yeah, to the here's patient. Here's a quote from Anil Kumar Argawal. He's in the Department of Community Medicine, 
in India. He says, the MP is not an ideal treatment. The low success rate, high costs, and ethical issues surrounding it make it unlikely to ever be extensively used or accepted as an effective treatment. Moreover, new developments to better diagnose techniques and cheaper vaccines may make rabies a disease of the past. And other health officials say the Milwaukee Protocol is a red herring, and it's used to sway people from finding new techniques for fighting rabies. I get I, their arguments, but at the same time, I actually have always kind of viewed it, since since I've known about it, I've always viewed it as being like a last line of defense. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate that some people think it detracts from other rabies um, treatment options when I view it as something that like no patient would want to undergo unless they knew that they had no other options and the and only other result die. was death. Yes. Yeah. And that's the only time this should be used because it's an extreme form of treatment. Totally. Like you cause permanent, well, at least from the one case that we know, it seems like you cause permanent brain damage just by actually doing the treatment. Yeah, Gina, she has problems like talking as well and walking as well, but she graduated college. There you go. I never, so yeah, I yeah, no, obvi- yeah. So so um, n- yeah, neither. I I got like a, a transfer degree, an associates, basically. Yeah. But uh, no, so she rides yeah. horses and stuff. Okay, and, so obviously yeah. she like She's she maintained mm-hmm. most of her faculties, but there was obviously some permanent neurological damage done by either the treatment or the ramifications of the disease. Yeah, exactly. So and we don't know exactly which, as as mm-hmm. I understand it. So yeah, that's the. Uh, about all I have on rabies. You want to talk about some other miscellaneous stuff? Okay, yeah. All right, so werewolves, vampires, and zombies are all largely probably based on rabies. That absolutely makes yeah. sense. Like, uh, like uh, the idea of a person turning into an animal because they were bit by an animal. That yep. actually, yeah, that really makes sense. I'd never even thought about that. Yeah. Um, Edgar Allan Poe, speculatively, maybe died of rabies. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Before he died, he went missing for 10 days, and he was found in a gutter in someone else's clothes, confused as fuck, hysterical, and he was having hallucinations, and then he just died a few days later. Ooh, man. But there's, like, a lot of other speculated reasons, and his death certificate, his or real concrete evidence about his death has never been found right and of course probably never will yeah. be like the circumstances are kind of mysterious and there's just like as tons the of was. other speculated reasons why he could have died but that's um, not that's not unreasonable yeah no it's not completely unreasonable but yeah that's all i have on rabies do you have anything else you want to say about rabies um no i mean i i honestly i i my my hat is off to the first doctor who ever was just ballsy enough to, in a situation where his patient faced basically, you know, certain death, to try something that could have been that harmful and could have resulted in nothing. Like, he didn't have anything to go on besides just, like, opening up textbooks and reading and reading and reading up on rabies and then deciding on a course of action based on like his knowledge he he, he didn't have yeah. any there was no um precedent for what he did and so honestly my hat is off to to the doctor who yeah. who incepted the Milwaukee protocol regardless of its efficacy in every case yeah he saved one young woman's life and i think that is irrefutable and if that's all that ever comes from the Milwaukee procedure or Milwaukee protocol 
I think that probably was a success because yeah. honestly, it's never going to be administered to people who aren't basically facing certain death. I guess here's one th- one other thing that I'd like to say is if you get bit by a wild animal or scratched by a wild animal, clean it out really, really well and uh, use an iodine solution and just go get that vaccine. Yeah, just go. Yeah, just exactly. Go, just go, go get, get it get immediately. That. Like, yeah. yeah, just go do it. Because like, it's, a, it's a course of vaccines. I think you have to, once yeah. you've been exposed, you have, you have to, get, to get, the, get like three or four over 14 days. Exactly. Um, yeah. So just do that. Especially if you're in America, be weary of bats. Like if you wake up and there's a bat in your room, just go, just go get the PEP. Yep. Just, even if you don't even see a yeah, bite, just go if, get it. Because it's not worth it. Especially uh, if you like, if you like even suspect or don't know if you were too drunk to know if a bat touched you, just go get a post-exposure prophylaxis. Yep. And yeah. Anytime you come in contact with a wild animal that seems like it's acting different than a wild animal should be, as in not afraid of you, yeah, you should probably just go go ahead and get that vaccine. Like there's yeah. no there's no other reasonable course of action. And why not? Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's it for this episode. The explanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support this show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. If you listen to four episodes and you think you'd buy me a coffee for bringing it to you, check it out. Or maybe you want to make me get a stupid tattoo, there's a thing for that too. No worries at all if you don't want to. Likely, I got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or you want to clarify something we went over, or maybe you want to tell, or maybe you just want to tell me a story about rabies, hit me up at Dexplanationspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. We really only grow with word of mouth, so please tell someone to subscribe. Oh, and as for you, you're super cute. Just adorable. Bye now. Bye. Bye.